0: You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Amen. Morning, church. Would you all stand to your feet? I just feel like God wants to move and work, and work in our lives. You know, we, we don't gather just because the church has gathered for the last 2,000 years, we gather because we're on mission. And God calls us to gather together to experience his forgiving grace, to experience healing, to be filled up with the Holy Spirit and be sent out, to be sent out from this place. And so anytime we gather, there should be a spirit of expectation in our hearts that God's going to show up and move in our lives, move in our hearts. And uh, just the the psalm brewing in my heart, Psalm 103, as we were worshiping, bless the Lord, O my soul, uh, and forget not all of his benefits. For he forgives all of my iniquities and he heals all of my diseases. And so God wants to show himself real, make himself real in your life. I believe that God wants to to do some miracles this morning. For those joining us online, we're so glad you'd be with us we believe God wants to move in your life as well this morning. So if you're here this morning, you have a need in your life. You need a miracle in your body, a miracle in your family. You need a restoration of a relationship. As well as you online, there's a phone number that will show up on the screen right now. You can reach out and let us know how we can be praying for a miracle in your life. But if that's you this morning, if you'd say, yeah, Drew, I have a need in my body. I have a need in my life. We're going to believe for a miracle this morning. I just have such faith that God wants to move in your life. So if, if you do not have your hand raised, let me extend your hand towards one of these individuals. With their hands raised and believe in faith that God would move in their lives. We're just going to pray for, for miracles this morning. God, Lord, these are just extension, uh, individuals extending their hands in faith this morning, recalling the benefits of the cross, the finished work of Jesus this morning. This one, the, the, the perfect Lamb of God that forgives us of our iniquities, of our transgressions, of our, our sins against the Holy God, but also heals our diseases. And your, your scripture says that it's by your stripes we are healed. So I believe this morning, backs are being healed. Migraines are being healed in the name of Jesus. Right now, knees being healed right now. Arthritis being healed. Multiple sclerosis being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Kidney failure. Diabetes being healed right now. Addictions right now being healed. Sleeplessness. Being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Anxiety and clinical depression being healed right now in the name of Jesus. Eating disorders being healed right now. I just I just encourage you to receive your healing in Jesus. Meditate right now in Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of my benefits. This one who forgives you of your sins, and I believe you have faith to believe that He heals you. I mean that He forgives you. Well, the, the second aspect of the, the promises there in Psalm 103 is that he heals all of your diseases. So just receive that healing right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's sing this chorus together. Hallelujah. 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 Let's give God a huge shout of joy and praise. We worship you, God. Hallelujah, Lord. We praise you, God. Hallelujah, Lord. You're worthy, God. Hallelujah. God is so good. You can go ahead and find your seats. As God moves in your life, in your body, does the miraculous, share, share testimonies of what, of what he does. I don't allow that to, to be hidden, to be kept a secret Testify of what God is doing in your life, even what you think is small. Like a a healed back may seem small, you know, to to a hearer, but allow allow that to be the the testimony of Jesus in your life, amen? Amen. Luke chapter 2, you can turn there in your Bibles this morning, Luke chapter 2, we're continuing this series, The King's Arrival, exploring not so much the, the arrival of Jesus as a baby, but Jesus as King. This eternal king, he came and, yes, he came in the form of a baby, but he came and made himself available to accomplish the mission of heaven. This morning, I want to share a very important message with you. This message this morning is titled Hidden Joy. I believe this is a a message of preparation for our church. I believe as we close out 2020 and we look towards 2021, I believe this is an important message for us to, to cling to and embrace as a church family, as followers of Jesus. If you have faith in Jesus as your savior, I believe this is an important message of, of equipping for you for the days to come. I believe we, we live on uncertain days, but there is a certainty hidden in Jesus that will be your strength and your joy in the days to come. And so I believe this is, this is a message, is a timely message here found uh, in the Christmas story and the title is Hidden Joy. Jesus, he came and he bring good news of great joy to all people. And I believe as you get close to King Jesus, one of the, the blessings of proximity to King Jesus is joy. It's the, the overflow or the fruit or the byproduct of getting close to King Jesus. You know, since the time we we come onto this planet, we we realize deep in our hearts, one of of our greatest human longings is for happiness, is for joy. We all want it. It's one of our greatest desires. It's what we're searching for. Recently came across an article in Forbes magazine in 2016, uh, commentating on a survey that was done that said, it asked this question, if you could say in one word what you want more in life, what would that be? The one thing, if you boil it all down to the to the, the greatest desire, number the number one result from the survey was happiness. Before health, wealth, uh, freedom of time, it was happiness. Because if most people would be honest, even those things of health, wealth, and and ta- freedom of time would would really be to serve that, that, that byproduct that they'd want from those things, which would be happiness. So if we boil it all down, the, the human heart longs for happiness. Well, in this article, profoundly from, from the world's uh, own words, they said this, happiness is constantly out of their control and a perpetual moving target that never stands still long enough for them to, to grasp. And we'll realize that on this planet. That we're longing for happiness and we're reaching for it in all the wrong places and it's constantly out of reach. It's constantly out of our grasp. What was revealed to us 2,000 years ago was the joy that our hearts have longed for but it's hidden in these unassuming and unexpected places in the person of Jesus Christ. So what in this world is unattainable. Jesus came and he made available. And I want to Make this available to you this morning, this hidden joy in Jesus. And I believe this will be our strength in the days to come. So here in Luke chapter 2, we're going to read about the point of the Christmas story with the shepherds. And how they were minding their own business when all of a sudden the redemptive story intersected their lives. And they were presented with this good news of great joy to all people. These were probably Jewish, Jewish shepherds, had some sort of recollection of expectation of this coming Messiah. But I can't imagine that they would have ever uh, seen themselves being interwoven into the narrative this closely. But for them, joy was brought right before them. It's such an honor for them to be a part of welcoming Messiah King, the hope of Israel. So let's read this in Luke chapter two, a verse, starting in verse eight. Let's, let's pray first before we, before we read. Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place, what you're doing in our hearts. In this Christmas season, I pray that eyes would be open to see you for who you are. The Lord, discontentment would be squelched finally by the the satisfying nature of the gospel and the the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. The joy hidden in you. I pray that over hearts. That Lord, that, that insatiable hunger for more things and the perfect life more popularity, or this morning that would come to an end before beautiful King Jesus who brings good news of great joy to all people, regardless of circumstances. I pray that individuals that encounter that this morning, it would be overwhelming, it would be overflowing from their hearts and lives to impact a dying world around us. In your name, amen. Verse eight says, In this this same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. They're just minding their own, own business. You can imagine them maybe gathered around a fire, shooting the breeze, talking about their lives, maybe talking about their dreams or their big break someday. Well, they're getting their big break here. Verse nine, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. So this arrival of this king was marked by good news. That was the message of the angels to these shepherds. We bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. It's a very similar similar, like heralding message of John the Baptist and Jesus 30 years later. This is the gospel of the kingdom or the good news of the kingdom. It's very similar to what an earthly king, very similar uh, nomenclature, a language that would have been used of a king's messenger talking about what the, this news coming from the king himself. But think of this, the uniqueness of what's unfolding right here. The king, the majestic King, and in this case, the king of all kings, the majestic king of the universe, is coming and telling this to shepherds, to nobodies, to obscure lower class shepherds. They had no claim to fame, no claim to power, no claim to the metropolises of their day. They're literally outside of a village, they're not even in the village itself. But these angels, they're not being cruel. They're being genuine. We bring good news with great joy for all people. And that that includes you guys, even you guys. So when they say all people, they they mean all people. Not some people, not most people, but all people. This is really good news accompanied with great joy for all people. That is the message of King Jesus. It's good news with great joy, and it's hidden in him. This is the beauty of the gospel of the king, that as we get close to King Jesus, just as these shepherds are going to go and find for themselves, as you get close to King Jesus, a byproduct of proximity to him is joy. And you can encounter that for yourself. When we surrender our lives to King Jesus, there is a promised fruit, a promised byproduct, and it is joy. Later, the Apostle Paul tells us about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What's one of those fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, right? Joy is the second fruit that Paul tells us is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's joy, and it's hidden here in King Jesus. So I call it hidden joy. Why am I calling it hidden joy? There's two reasons I'm calling it hidden joy. One is because this joy in King Jesus is unassuming. It's unexpected. It's, it's not what the world would be looking for, for joy. But secondly, it's enduring. It's protected and it's, it's unimpeded or un, unimpacted by circumstances and the, the, the swirling, whirling winds around us. So it's unassuming, and it's enduring. That's why it's hidden joy. And you will not f- be able to find this joy anywhere else on the planet. You can search until the end of your life, and you'll never find a joy outside of this joy, this hidden joy found in King Jesus. It's unassuming, and it's enduring. So what do I mean by it's Unassuming. Well, look at the unassuming package that this good news comes in. Jesus is the epitome of not judging a gift by its wrapping, by not judging a book by its cover, am I right? These shepherds were told what this this king would look like. Hey, he'll be a baby in Bethlehem, the tiny village of Bethlehem, maybe at most a town of 2,000 people. But it's the city of David, the hometown of David. You'll find a baby there. You're gonna find him in a feeding trough, you know, meant for cattle, meant for livestock. And he'll be wrapped in swaddling strips of cloth. Isaiah chapter 53 verse two says that my servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. From the world's perspective, from our natural eye, we would miss it. We would miss this joy hidden here this day. But the shepherds, they followed the angels' instructions. They found exactly what they were told. And they were filled with joy. Their joy was wrapped there in swaddling cloth in a feeding trough. From the world's perspective, their joy was hanging on by a thread. It's unassuming because King Jesus came low We think the joy from this world is gonna be screaming from the mountaintops for everyone to see. But the joy that King Jesus brings, he comes and he comes low to present this joy to us. So his joy is unassuming. Secondly, his joy is enduring. It's protected from the circumstances of this life. It's not the result simply of what we do and our effort. And just imagine these shepherds that night, I'm not saying this is what Scripture says, but just imagine with me. Um, imagine they're sitting around the fire and they're talking about their dreams and their aspirations. Maybe they have a family at home. Maybe they're talking about their big break of getting out of Bethlehem someday. There's hoping. They're wondering, when their day is going to come, and then the angel comes. But does the angel say, "Hey, I'm going to make you rich. Today's your day." here's your ticket out of Bethlehem. Does he say, here's your big break, here's your your day of fame? It will be a fame in terms of history, but not in their generation. If you actually catch at the end of the story, after they testify of King Jesus, what does it say at the very end of verse 20? And the shepherds returned. They returned back to their flocks. They went right back to the life that they came from. They weren't necessarily promoted. They didn't become rich or famous, but they went back, they returned back to their life and their occupation with a joy that's protected from this world. This hidden joy. So the king, he brings a joy that's not adorned beautifully on the outside. And it's for all people of all occupations, all, all origin stories, all ethnicities, all tribes and tongues. It's a, jo- a joy available to all, despite our circumstances. So I would challenge you this morning. You may assume that you'll experience the joy of your heart, that your heart longs for, once your experiences line up just right. You know, once start, things start coming together a little bit more closely in your life, you know, once people begin to recognize you for who you are and people affirm you in the right ways. But this joy here hidden in this story, the joy of King Jesus is different than that joy that you're setting yourself up for. That joy that's based on our circumstances, based on other people affirming us, is fleeting. It comes and goes. But there is a hidden joy here found in King Jesus that is not based on our circumstances. It's not based on the flashy, superficial comings and goings of this world. First and foremost, it's a joy of knowing. Knowing King Jesus, knowing your reason for being in him, it's a joy of being, it's a joy of contentment in him. So the angel is making a genuine proclamation to these shepherds. They're not teasing them. They're not being cruel. This is really good news of joy to these shepherds. And it doesn't mean they need to stop being shepherds. They need to stop their occupations. The reality is we'll never we'll never find joy in our jobs or in our houses, in our net worth, in our kids in our car, in our next vacation. We have to proclaim that. We need to declare that. We need to settle that in our hearts, that that is, that is a different joy than this joy found in King Jesus. There's a joy found hidden in Christ that this world cannot touch. It's when he becomes our only desire. says, I meet with people and, and talk about their lives and And help them kind of wrestle through decisions that they're they're considering. I caution people on making decisions based on discontentment. You know, rarely do we make good decisions when we're discontent. What ends up happening on the other side is usually frustration and disappointment. Rather than making our our decisions based on discontentment, I would I would encourage you to make your decisions based on one thing: purely obedience. What has God called you to do? What is the assignment on your life? What is the purpose for the church, for the people of God? What's the assignment upon your life? Do that. In that place, you'll always find a hidden joy. Not based on, on any other material thing, not based on any other fleeting thing. There's a joy hidden there in King Jesus. I know it sounds counterintuitive. It sounds ironic or like, paradoxical but it's it's true this is the hidden joy of Jesus it's unassuming unexpected and it's completely protected shielded from the the changing circumstances of our life it's the hidden joy of Jesus and at the root of it of this joy it comes from this depending on God finding our sufficiency in him 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 being more than enough for us And these shepherds this day, they they were given this invitation, an opportunity or a glimpse at this joy that's not dependent on them, not dependent on their circumstances, but it's found solely in this king, this baby king, King Jesus. All this reminds me of John chapter 15, which I'd encourage you to read in full, Even later today, John chapter 15, you can write it down, John chapter 15, I believe one of the greatest passages in scripture, John chapter 15 says, remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You want a fruitful life? You want the life that your heart longs for, remain in him. Find your sufficiency, your soul sufficiency, your sole um, amount of value in King Jesus. And he goes on to say, if I've loved, or I have loved you, even as the Father has loved me, so remain in my love. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you'll be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So you remain in his love and you remain in his love by being obedient to his voice. And a byproduct of that sort of proximity to King Jesus will be an overflowing of joy. You'll be filled with joy, he says. This is the hidden life in Christ. So you want joy? Then hide yourself in King Jesus. Embrace this secret of the kingdom which is depending on him every day and in every way. Jesus staked everything on this, this concept of just pure obedience to the Father's voice. He staked everything on it. He didn't care what people's opinions of him were. He didn't care who he ticked off that day or who he pleased. He had one mission, it was to be obedient to the Father. So there's joy hidden there. Instead of Jesus, that he was the one who who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So Jesus had, had such a hidden joy in his his relationship with the Father that even death, a miserable, excruciating death on a cross, couldn't steal it away from him. It's unassuming and it's enduring. It's an enduring joy. So we all want the fruit of joy. What Tozer once said, that fruit doesn't grow out of thin air, right? Fruit grows as a result of a root system, a hidden root system that's unseen from the the naked eye, deep down under the soil. And that root system in the kingdom is this dependence on God, him being our sufficiency, him being more than enough. I remember a prophetic word that was spoken over me and my wife a couple of years ago and it's stuck with me ever since. I wrote it down. It was just so impactful for me and even guiding how I lived my daily life. This encouraging word for me and my wife, this individual, they saw me and my wife walking into a garden. It was an overgrown, old garden, neglected garden. Weeds growing up everywhere. No one had touched it in a long time, so we got to work. We, we walked into this garden and we started pruning it and, and weeding it and trimming it, trying to make something of it, so that once again it would return back to its beauty. But it's like in this word, it's like the Lord was stopping us and saying, "No, don't just prune it, don't just try to trim it up." Instead, uproot it all. Start over. You need a new root system. For us, there was a lot of things we were wrestling through at the, at the time. That was a very pointed message, but on a greater level, even as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, oftentimes we're trying to clean up the exteriors, the outsides of our life, trying to even change our circumstances to then affect the fruit in our lives. I believe God is telling us in John 15 is, is case in point, the, the hidden root system and the, the source of this hidden joy in the kingdom is this dependence on God. And I believe sometimes we just got to start over. Tear it all, all the rest of it down and just say, God, you are my sufficiency. I want new roots because I want new fruit. What a day for these shepherds. Changes the trajectory of their life. No turning back. You know, the shepherds, they are so aware of the fragileness of life. Like their whole occupation is based around the premise of the fragileness of life. These, these weak, fragile sheep and their one responsibility is to protect them from predators and prey. That, that's their entire job. But now they're being introduced to a way of life and a, and a hidden joy in this King Jesus that is 100% resilient. Enduring, protected from circumstance, that is completely unfragile. So God is introducing to to you and I this unfragile joy that's not whimsically prone to to all of the the unexpected uh, curveballs of life. Why is Jesus' joy so enduring? How does he do it? I believe one of the key ways the, the, the hidden joy of Jesus endures the, the onslaught of um, unexpected curveballs that come our way is because, or it comes out of knowing truth. It comes out of grounding ourselves in truth. So in that place of dependence, that, that unseen, that hidden life, the, the root system of our life of dependence on God, it goes deep into truth about who God is and what he is like and what he says over your life. It reminds me of this story in Acts chapter 13. An ironic story where Paul and Barnabas, they're preaching the gospel in, in Antioch. There's a lot of fruit. A lot of Jews are coming to know Jesus. A lot of Gentiles are coming to know Jesus. And they spend a good deal of time in this town. But eventually some of the influential people begin to get pretty uh, frustrated and, and envious of Paul and Barnabas. And so they, they, they rile up this mob, they, they rile up this riot, and this riotous crowd, and they run them out of town, threatening them, threatening their lives and, and whatnot. But it's, it's almost just ironic that the last verse in that story in Acts chapter 13 says, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. It's like, that's a joyous day as a follower of Jesus. We just got ran out of town by a mob it's like yes life is good it's so paradoxical it's so like ironic it doesn't sound right but that's the hidden joy in king jesus and for paul and barnabas for the disciples they even in those passages preceding their overflowing joy is them grounding themselves in truth they were doing what they were doing out of obedience they knew Jesus came as a light to the Gentiles, so they're going to preach it boldly, regardless of the circumstances. They knew Jesus came first for the Jews, so they're going to preach in the synagogues every single day. And that was their order of operations. They started in the synagogues, and they preached to the Gentiles. They're going to let the fruit be in God's hands, and joy will be a byproduct of their life as they're content and they find their sufficiency in God. Whether everyone is is accepting them or whether they're getting ran out of town by a mob, they're, they'll be filled with joy. So we see this, this pattern. As you peel back the layers in this hidden life in Christ, you'll see individuals grounded in God's pr- purposes, His promises, and His power. So, do you want an unfragile joy? Do you want an enduring joy? Begin to meditate on God's purposes, on promises, on, on his power. Meditate on truth. Choose to think on those things. You know, one pattern for my life for, for several years that I've been practicing is, is praying scripture over my life. So sometimes we don't know what to pray. We don't know how to pray. We feel kind of like we're just kind of... Um, Wasting time or something. I encourage you to pray scripture. And actually, in the, at the Welcome Center, I've made available a small sheet. You can slip in your Bible with eight verses. And I've called them identity prayers. But these are prayers that speak truth about who you are in Christ. Psalm 139, that he knits you together in your mother's womb. That you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Isaiah 50, uh, Isaiah chapter 50, verses four and five. He's given you an instructed tongue. You might have a word just to stay in the weary. He wakes you morning by morning to hear like one being taught. And I made these available in the, the welcome center. You can pick one up for yourself and begin to try praying scripture over your own life. Begin to meditate on truth, on God's promises, on his purpose, on his power in your life. I oftentimes go back and in my Bible that I use for my time with God, I, I have slipped in it words that God has spoken over my life. And God gave me an assignment several years ago, and it really helped me simplify like my, the greatest pursuits over my life. When he spoke to me, I remember right where I was when he spoke to my heart. He said, Drew, would it be all right if your greatest significance in this life was knowing me intimately and loving your family well? I had to hesitate to answer, but I was like, yeah, Lord, I think, I think I'd be okay with that. And for me, that's been such a freeing assignment. Like my greatest like, assignment over my life is to know God intimately and to love my family well. It's been so freeing from everyone else's opinions, what other people think my job description should be. That's my assignment. I'm going to be true to it. And so I remind myself of that. I remind myself of who God says I am in his scripture, the things that he's deposited in my life over my, my, walk, my walk with him, over my lifetime with him. And over time, you'll begin to see a bubbling up of joy that is not uh, impeded or prone to the the curveballs of life. So God's purposes, his promise, his power, those are all things that, That no circumstance can affect. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. I'm going to give us an opportunity to respond. And I've believed all week long that this is an important message for our church. I believe 2021 is going to be a significant year for the church. And I do believe there's gonna be recalibration happening in the church. And when I say the church, I mean on a broader scale, but I believe I want our church to be a part of it, right? We don't wanna be left in the dust. Is it just me or I want us to be a part of what God's doing? And I believe 2021, there's a, a significant shift coming in the church. I believe 2020 has been a purging, purifying season in the church, but there, there's a shift happening in 2021 in the church. And that's why I believe this is, this is an important message for the church to find a sufficiency in Jesus, for believers to have this resilience to our joy that's hidden in Christ Jesus, that's unimpacted, unimpeded unimpeded by this world. Oh, there's so much more I wanted to say, but honestly, I've just ran out of time, so Um, I'm trying to condense here. If you could all stand to your feet. I'm gonna read this proclamation that really kicked off Jesus' ministry. He bring good news with great joy to all people. And that wasn't just a fleeting statement that he spoke to some shepherds through these angels. That was a consistent theme or pattern throughout his ministry. And Jesus spoke these words from Isaiah 61. He spoke these words at the beginning of his ministry. He said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. That was the proclamation that Jesus, he himself fulfilled and walked in and became the, the, the uh, impetus or, or catalyst for his ministry. And that also then becomes the pattern for you and I. You wanna be of greater use to fulfill the purposes and the assignments on your life, then tap into this hidden joy in Jesus. The overflow of a life of proximity to King Jesus will be joy and greater impact in this world around us. It will be good news to the poor. You will be able to bind up the brokenhearted. You will be able to set free the captives, those who are bound. You will be, you, you'll be able to, with conviction, declare that this is the year of the Lord's favor. If you'd all bow your heads and close your eyes, I want us to respond to King Jesus. Firstly, I believe there's some of us that need to settle discontentment this morning with the Lord. Sadly, especially in America, Christmas becomes a season of perpetual discontentment because it's become so commercialized, so materialistic. Too, too often, we Christmas kind of feels us, uh, leave, leaves us feeling more discontent, lacking. This morning, we can settle that with Jesus. I would encourage you to surrender any discontentment in your heart. Maybe you have discontentment about your job. Maybe it's discontentment about your marriage. Maybe it's discontentment about situations with family, with your house, with your income, your net worth, your position in life. Can you just surrender that before King Jesus right now? Settle that in your heart. King Jesus this morning is offering a joy that's completely other from all of those Sources of joy in this world. Settle that with him right now. I'm giving you time to settle that with King Jesus. Surrender discontentment. Lord, we just fall in line with these shepherds 2,000 years ago that were able to see the joy hidden in King Jesus, hidden in you, that was available to them in their monotonous life, in their boring, obscure, remote life. You would actually bring genuinely joy to their lives so we are without excuse and this morning we surrender all to you all shred of discontentment we throw it before you God and I'm not saying it maybe won't creep back into our life tomorrow or the next day but we're making a decision to find this hidden joy in you that's not based on our circumstances it's not based on our lot in life but it's made available to all people we choose that this morning wholeheartedly. We choose that in your mighty name, in you, Jesus. The Greek word translated to joy is the Greek word shara. And there was this, this lexum theological workbook that says the term shara often comes as a result of people experiencing God's presence by the Holy Spirit. That's that's what the theologians say. That's not me. That's what the theologians say. Joy comes as a result of people experiencing God's presence by the Holy Spirit. So lastly, I want us to meditate on the presence of Jesus. My simple definition for the presence of Jesus is this. It's the dominant reality of the rule and reign of Jesus in a person or place. You know, God is present everywhere at the same time. So what does his presence mean? His presence means that in this moment in time, the dominant reality, the most important, the most preeminent reality is his existence and his reality in that moment. And when that becomes, that that comes to the surface, everything else changes. And that's why we're so transformed by his presence and joy comes bubbling up. So right now we're just going to exalt him and his presence and that's how we're going to close. Lord, we exalt you. We fix our eyes on you. We ground ourselves in truth. We meditate on your promises, on your purpose, on on your power. You rule and reign in this place and nothing else matters now. You rule and reign in our hearts and our minds. You rule and reign in our families. On our morning commute, you rule and reign perfectly. You're king of kings and lord of lords. And I'm believing that as individuals experience your presence, there's going to be a joy hidden there that they they encounter for themselves that transforms them. They'll realize it's, it's for them too, not just for their neighbor or some spiritual elite, but it's for them. And I pray for just a release of that sort of joy, this real hidden joy this morning as we exalt your presence. We're going to sing this song. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.